Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. Amen. Make plans to attend. Wow. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad to be with you and to be able to worship the Lord like that this morning. We're going to continue in our deeper series today. This will be part two. I'm super excited about sharing this with you today as we look at going deeper. And, uh, I had a few introductory comments, but I feel like I need to jump right in it here today. So, but I do want to say happy Valentine's week. Yeah, so this is the week that everybody, man, get your love on, everybody. Get your love on. So, so with it being Valentine's week, my hope is today that we could go deeper in our understanding of the love of God. You know, they say that, you know, that like the Bible's like an ocean, and the more you you know, discover, the more is, there is to discover. I just heard that from Kim, she just said they just discovered a new species of well, you know. And so today, my hope is, is that we could really go deeper because the Bible, it's written in so many allegories and types and shadows and symbols. And if you understand the types and the shadows and the symbols, especially looking through a first century Hebrew lens, the Bible becomes alive to you. And, and scriptures that you've read all your life, maybe, you know, all of a sudden have a deeper meaning to you. So that's my hope today, is that by showing this today, you know, this whole thing about a bride and a groom and a wedding, and, you know, that, the Bible's written in so much what we call wedding language. Um, here's a good, just a couple of quotes for you that's in your Bible app. Again, go to version Bible app, go to events, and you can get the notes. There's a lot of notes today. All right, so in the Old Testament, Judaism is seen as a bride, and the Messiah is seen as the bridegroom. And then in the New Testament, the church is seen as the bride, and Jesus is seen as the bridegroom. I've given you one example of this scripture. If you read Ephesians 5, he's talking about husbands love your wives. He's given instruction about marriage. But then it you know, at one point in verse 32, he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. So you need to really get that in you before we go forward, because we're going to really look at the Hebrew wedding in the first century and how the scriptures mirror our present day uh, life and walk with God. Now, we'll come back to this chart right here, but I wanted to put a chart, and it's in your Bible app if you, you find it there. Uh, for you to reference later on. When we talk about the Hebrew wedding process, you need to know there were two phases. This first phase here, we'll talk about each one of these as we go. The first phase, there was, it started with a contract, then there would be a cup, then there would be a cleansing, and then it would be ceremony one, and then we'll talk about the bridal gift and what each one of those meant. Now, I really want to say this. You'll hear me say it numerous times. After phase one, ceremony one here, they are married. You are married. You are as married as you are ever going to be. You are married. Okay, but what's amazing is then after phase one, they, the couple would enter into a betrothal period, and this is usually one year 
But you got to understand, this betrothal period, they would be separated. They would not be together. And to make things even more complicated, guess what? They have not had any physical intimacy from this period to this period, okay? So this was a quite a time being, in other words, separated. You're married, but you're separated until you come into phase two. And in phase two, you see ceremony number two. So we're going to talk about each one of these, and we'll reference it. So let's just dive right into it. So uh, to begin with... Back in those days, if you were going to be married, you didn't go out and choose your bride or your groom. You didn't do that. Your father chose your bride, okay? And uh, so that's how it would work and how beautifully this is fulfilled in the scripture. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, you can take that note down or type it into your phone. It says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Jesus in John 15, 16 said it this way. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Yeah. All right, so that, what would happen after a, a bride, a potential bride was chosen? We get to the very first phase, and this would be called the wedding contract. And the, the Hebrew term would be ketaba. Ketaba means written. It means written word. Okay, so at first it would be a, this thing called the ketaba. So what would happen when a bride was chosen? Your mom and dad would get together at the bride's house, potential bride's house, at a dinner. A, a special dinner was given on behalf of the occasion. And the first thing that you would do is show them a ketaba. This was written by the groom, and it basically was a promise of how he was going to take care of the bride. So the potential bride and their parents would read it and they would look at how he is going to take care of her. Now keep in mind as we go, Jesus is our bridegroom. We are the church. We are his bride. Everybody got that? I hope that's in here. Okay. So the first thing they do is they present this ketaba. How beautifully this is fulfilled in the scripture. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. What is God's ketaba to us today? It is the Bible. And in the Bible, it is written from that very first ceremony when, you know, if you've given your heart to Christ, it says you, he's your bridegroom. From that, and, but in this separation period... This Bible is the ketaba of how he will take care of us. 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For no matter how many of the promises of God, they are yes and amen in Christ. Philippians 4.19, And God will meet all of your needs according to his riches and his purpose. Okay, so the ketaba's read. What would happen next? This is the next part of it. would be called the father's or the family's gift. In this case, the groom's family, father and groom, would give the potential bride's family a gift. Now, now, and keep in mind, she can say no. She doesn't have to do it. She can say no, but the gift is given already. So what is the father's gift to us as he came and he said, will you receive Christ, this bridegroom for you, it says this in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of the Father God is eternal life. 
And he offers that to anyone who would receive him as their Lord and their Savior. Now, I'm telling you, that's good news right there. It is good news. And I thank God for the Father's gift. Okay, so what would happen next? Well, what happens next, this is um, the third step of, of the first phase. We have what's called the engagement cup. The engagement cup was a, a, usually a silver cup, and it's on the table as, you, as the groom gave, potential groom gave the, the, gave the ketubah, and then the father gave the gift to the bride's family. Then there would be this beautiful engagement cup, and they filled it full of wine. And the first thing the groom would do is would take it, and he would drink half of it, and he would put it back on the table. Then... The potential bride, if she wanted to say yes, this is like getting engaged, you know. If she wants to say yes, she will take the cup and drink the other half of it. That means, yes, I will marry you. And uh, guys, you really want her to take that cup, I tell you. You know, that's just like, will you marry me? You know, it's like, and, and so where is this fulfilled in Scripture? Beautifully, we see in communion. This beautiful, beautiful scripture, Matthew 26, verse 28. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks, and he offered it to them. Drink from it. When you do this, you remember me. So when we take communion, it's his offer of life. Will you receive me? I pray that you'll, you'll never like take communion again the same way after hearing this. It has so much depth, so much meaning. And we like to do it here as, you know, often. And you can see, see why, okay? So if she took that cup and if she agreed, yeah, I'm going to marry you, then there would be a preparation for a big ceremony. This will be ceremony one. This will be ceremony one. And, uh, and one thing I want to tell you, you know, we just kind of do a wedding ceremony. It takes a day or a night, and then we kind of move on. Back then in the Bible, when they did ceremonies, it lasted for days. It was like a party you wanted to go to, let me tell you. And it was so much worship and, and just rejoicing and food and dancing. It was just a great event. So if she said yes, she took the cup, she would drink the cup. What would happen next? The morning of the ceremony, the bride and groom would then go to this step. It's called the cleansing. The cleansing. And where would it happen? It would happen in something called a mikvah. A mikvah was a, was a kind of a, it was a cement pool. Sometimes they used lakes and rivers and streams. But what would happen is the bride and the groom separately with all their potential bridesmaids and groomsmen and, you know, would go into a pool, immerse themselves fully in the pool. Why did they do that? Because it symbolized that their old life, not being married, with it, is, is gone. And the newness coming out of the water meant I am coming into newness of life. And when they came up out of that water, there was dancing, rejoicing, celebrating as they came out of the pool, hugging one another, tremendous celebrations. Where is this fulfilled in our day? In Romans 6, verse 4, through water baptism. How beautiful. We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead through the glory of God, we too might have a brand new life. 
I'm really geeking right now, if you're wondering. Okay, I really, really like this stuff. Okay. So the mikvah, they would go through the mikvah, and then they would have uh, the first ceremony, and they would go through that ceremony. There's so much I want to share with you about the ceremony. The, the, bride, the uh, groom and the groom's father would build what's called a shupa. A shupa is kind of this, like, a canopy. We still use it in our weddings. You know, people are married under kind of an, you know, a, a, a kind of an altar thing. So they would build a shupa. This was a special time for the, the groom's dad and the, and the groom to build this shupa. And they would have a big celebration, and then the bride would come in. And when the bride would come in, she would do something. Again, this is in first century Jesus days. She would come in, and let's say this is the bride, she would, uh, the groom, she would circle him seven times. So she would come down the aisle, so to say, and let's say this is the groom. She would walk around him once. <laughs> She'd walk around him twice, seven times. Each time represented such huge meaning. It was to build up walls between the bride and the groom from the rest of the world, meaning that we are now separated just to ourselves. It also was symbolic of the six days that God made the earth, and on the seventh, he rested. So much hidden meaning, okay, that is there. Now, uh, also you need to know that that after all this happened, the groom would give her a gift. Now, this gift you need to know about, this gift was called a mahor. Okay, that was the, the name for it, the Hebrew name for it. And what was this gift given for? Now, remember, they're going to be separated for at least a year. This gift was to remind her of her value, how much he loved her, how much he cared for her. This gift was something that she was to, to take and remember in that time of separation that he loves me and he will come back for me. All right. Um, for those who are interested in Luke chapter 15, we have this beautiful parable of a, of a, of a woman who lost 10 silver, I um, had 10 silver coins and lost one coin. This is in Luke 15. Jesus tells the parable. You say, what has that got to do with this? Tradition now says that one of the gifts that the groom would have given a bride was 10 silver coins. And those silver coins were to be in her headdress that she would use on the phase two second ceremony. So in Luke chapter 15, where, where Jesus is laying out the parable, and what he's saying is that what is it like for God, you know, the father, to, to lose someone? Like one lost sheep, he gives a lost coin. It is like a woman who had 10 silver coins, and she loses just one of them. And when she finds it, she calls all her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. It's like if you lost your engagement ring. That's what that scripture means. And so if you have that understanding from a Hebrew Jewish lens, it, it just like, wow, the scripture just comes alive to you in such beautiful, beautiful ways. Okay, so the, the bridal gift, the mahor, what was the gift that God 
gave us as the church, his bride, and saying, I love you, I cherish you, I will come back for you. We can find that in the first chapter of Acts, Acts 1, verse 4 through 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. How important is the Holy Spirit? It is Jesus' gift to us of how valuable we are. And what does he say early in John 14? He says, he says this, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the words that I've said to you. What I hope you're getting today, I hope you're getting of how much bridal language or wedding language is in the scriptures. And believe me, today I am only giving you about one third of it. It's so much more than we have time to do. So a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit of God. That is the gift that God has given us. And so amen to that. Let me catch up with my notes here. And um, uh, oh, there's one more thing I want to tell you. Before the groom left the bride for this betrothal period, he was required to do something. Like what was he required to do for an entire year of his life away from his bride? He was required to go build a, what's called a shupa. What's a shupa? It's a bridal chamber. And what he would do is he would go back to his father's house and he would build a place for them to live. It would be an addition to the father's house. And he was required to do this. This was super, super important. So when would he be able to go back and get his bride? Only when the father would come and look at the room and determine today's the day to go get your bride. How wonderfully... Jesus fulfilled this in John chapter 14 when they were talking to him about the end of days of when things will, you know, when will the end of days be? And this is the scripture. This would have been called the groom's promise. He says this, Jesus spoke, do not let your hearts be troubled. And see, he's speaking that to us right now as his bride. The bridegroom speaks, in my father's house, there are many rooms I haven't told you this. I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm telling you, the disciples and every first century believer would have dialed in immediately. That's wedding language. That's wedding tradition. That's what a groom does. He goes and builds a place on the Father's house. Why? And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus, when he comes back, his second coming, I will come back. And take you to be with me. That, we may, that you may be where I am. How amazing, again, the scriptures fulfill this beautiful, beautiful promises of God. So much is going on. All right, let's take a little bit of breath here. I know I'm going really. Where have we discovered? What have we discovered? I, I want to show you this chart. The Hebrew wedding dispensationally, that means like, how is it appropriate for our time? Well, in phase one, there was a contract, the ketubah, but God has left the Bible for us. Then there was a cup, it's symbolic of communion. Then there was a cleansing, that's symbolic of water baptism. Then there was a ceremony, that's symbolic of being born again. And then the bridal gift would have been the Holy Spirit of God. 
I'm geeking again. Okay, so. Um, but now, the groom is departed. And now keep in mind, they're married. They're really, really married. And they haven't consummated the marriage, but they are married. But now there will be a period of separation. That period of separation in the Hebrew, the word is urusin. And urusin means sanctified, set apart. And what was supposed to happen during this time of separation, they're married, it was to create a longing to be together. And I know Jesus, he came to the earth, he gave us his life, he died on the cross. If you've received him today, which you can, you can receive him today, you are his, you are married to the bridegroom, Jesus. But let me tell you, we are in this time of, of urus and separation. And what it's to do is to create a longing in our heart for Jesus to come again. I hope you have that. I know you do. I feel it, right? So there was this period of, of separation there, the betrothal, the waiting period. And what must they wait for? You know, what was, what was going on in this time? Think about the bride. She waited. And what was she told to do? She was told, you must be alert. You must be ready because your groom will come and get you when you don't expect him. Again, wedding language that we read from the scripture and when we connect the dots, it's like, wow, that's wedding language. That's the bridal paradigm that we've seen in Scripture. And she had to stay alert. Now, how in the world, what would determine when the groom goes and gets his bride? Like I said earlier, the, the, the father's groom would go and inspect the place that the groom had built. And only he could tell the groom when it's ready to go get your bride. Can you imagine if you're a groom like, come on, dad, come on. I'm ready to go get her. No. And people would ask him like, when's the day? When's the day? And it's written. You can look it in the oral traditions. Only the father knows. That's what he would say. Only the father knows when it's time for me to go. Again, Jesus and this bridal paradigm fulfills this beautifully. We call it the Father's consent. No one knows about the day or hour, even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. There it is, Mark 13, 32. Again, first century, they would have understood that's like a wedding. It's kind of like what happens in a wedding. So when you read these scriptures, I pray they just pop off the, the pages and you just have a deeper understanding of how much Jesus loves us and the dispensation of time that we find ourselves in, okay? So now this is the coolest part. This is the most exciting part. This is the, I just love this part, all right? So then the father comes and he, and he, he looks over the place that he's building. The son's looking at him. And he says, go get your bride. The son starts screaming and shouting, and he, he goes and runs and grabs his best man. This was usually a family member or a friend. It was, we would kind of know it as a best man. He would say, it's time to go get my bride. He would shout. And uh, he was eager, brothers. He was eager, you know. And, and uh, he was eager. He had been working and married and 
You know, she's beautiful. Hey, man, I'm ready. So, so what would happen next? Well, the best man would grab a trumpet. And the best man would grab a trumpet, and he would blow that trumpet as loud. I mean, super, like a shofar, as loud and all of that. What was that to do? It was to signal the groomsmen, as we would know it, basically the guys that were with him. They would come rallying at his place. But here's the thing you need to know. Hebrew weddings happened at night, late night. It's very important. So the father, like almost around you know, midnight, would go, go get your bride. Hey, so everyone had to be ready. You had to be ready. So the groomsmen then would, would light torches, the trumpet was sounding, and they would march around the village screaming, the bridegroom comes. How amazing. This is fulfilled in the New Testament. I, uh, I absolutely love this. The bridegroom comes. Hear the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. This is also reflected, this is speaking of when Jesus comes again, when he comes back for his bride. If you're here today, yes, Jesus was on the earth. He came on the earth. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead, but he promised, I will come back for my bride. We know that is the second coming of Jesus. He's coming, and let me tell you, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to fess. But you and I who are part of this beautiful bride of Christ... Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? And believe me, that the lover of our soul will embrace his beautiful bride. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's move on to this. In Revelation 19, it also reflects the scripture, and it also tells us about the time, the culture, what was going on in the first century. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Remember the groomsmen? They're screaming, yelling, the bridegroom comes. And I hear a roar of rushing, shouting, hallelujah, for the, wet, for the Lord Almighty reigns. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. There it is. All reflective of a time that you and I live in. Now, what about the bridesmaids? So that was the, the, the groomsmen. What were the bridesmaids to do? Well, they had, a special, um, they had a special thing they were to do as well during this night. They were to have lamps, okay? And they must have oil in their lamps. And what they were to do, when they heard all the shouting and the trumpet, they were to keep those lamps, you know, close to them. Because, again, you don't know when the father is going to say, the room's ready, go get your bride. So they would have to have these lamps. And what they would do is run out to the groom's home and then walk with him to the bride's house, lighting the way. When they got to the bride's home, they were to form a tunnel, basically illuminating the pathway. So the bride's house would have been there. The groom would have been here. They were to light this tunnel, so to say. And you'll see why in just a minute. But here Jesus speaking of the end of times when the days are coming to a close. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, in this case like the bridesmaids, who took their lamps Bridal language about 
They took their laps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. That bridegroom was a long time in coming. At midnight, the cry came out, here's the bridegroom. (laughs) Come out and meet him. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. If you keep reading that parable, it says we, you know, you must be, have that oil ready. Don't be like the foolish ones. Be like the wise ones that are ready for Jesus to come back. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. It's really true. It's not a fairy story. He's really coming back. And he's coming back for a beautiful bride that's in this room. You and I. The church is beautiful to him, absolutely beautiful to him. So so what would happen next? Well, this big procession would go to the bride's home. She's in there getting all of her clothes, you know, her wedding clothes, basically her wedding dress. She's getting it on. They're all standing outside. Then the groom would shout for her. The door would fling open. And the bride would run through the, you know, the pathway that the lamps that, that the bridesmaid would run and jump into his arms. And he would carry her to phase two of the wedding process. That process is called nusin in Hebrew. And you know what it means? It's so beautiful. It means to lift up. In a sense, she would run out and he would pick her up and lift her up and carry her, carry his bride home. The scripture speaks of the time when Jesus comes back, when we, all of us, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with him forever. What's that time going to be like? In Revelation 21, we have another example. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It's speaking about our Lord coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up at this time. Worship team can come on up. What I want to do is read you a little bit more about this time. At this time, they would have the second ceremony. It would go on for seven days. But in Revelation 21, 3, this is our future. This is our home. It's not an illusion. It's not a fairy story. In Revelation 21, 3, just right after this 21, 2, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and there'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more sin, for all of that has passed away. And we will be with our Jesus forever. Why don't you stand with me? Amen. Let's stand. Father, you're a beautiful God. You're a beautiful Savior. And we love you.
And Lord, we find ourselves in this betrothal period, fully married to you, yet waiting for our bridegroom, Jesus. And all we can say is, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come and get your bride. We're yours. We are yours. Or if the church right now could just spend some time on this Valentine's week just adoring Jesus together. We adore you, Father. We adore you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's just worship him here as we end. Let's just worship him. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.